Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, that was great stuff, wasn't it? Uh, the baby dedication twins. So we finally got to do that. We've been wanting to do that for a long time, right, Becky? Yeah. 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 <laughs> twins, I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad y'all have twins. I really am. That's really awesome. Um, and, you know, the, the racism thing is really important because right now, guess who controls that narrative on racism in our nation? It's not the church. And there's a lot of bad stuff being said out there. There's a lot of bad things being written out there. Um, we got to take that narrative away from the devil because it's going to just go on forever if we don't. And so we have an opportunity, I feel like, right now to begin to, to talk about racism and, you know, get the heart of the Lord on it and talk about, you know, some of the things that will actually heal this versus things that actually cause it to grow worse. And, and as long as it's in the, in the world's hands, in the government's hands, it's just not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. I'm going to tell you that now. But we're going we're gonna to do our part. Amen? So if you want to do that with her, with Elizabeth, that, that would be great. Um, so Elizabeth, wherever you are, I am doing what I told you. I, there she is. She's All right. God bless Elizabeth, right? Hey, I wanted to, I was at River Life Chapel Hill last week, and that was really a great time with them, and that church is really doing really good. You know, um, I was really shocked how well they're doing because they're, where they're at uh, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, things are a lot stricter there in terms of government intrusion. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're, the local government there is a lot more strict, but that church is prospering this time. It's amazing. I was just so blessed, and uh, it's really God's really doing something there. There's a real presence of the Lord there that's starting to really build and rest in the, at church, and that's what we're looking for is that where the presence of the Lord rests in a place and because that's what people need. They need this encounter with God's presence, and so that's... Really, I see it really starting to come together there. So we were really thankful to be able to get to do that. And they, Matthew and Sarah has done an amazing job. Uh, you know, I was telling Becky, they, if you're going to be a pastor, there's some, a lot of stuff you have to overcome, but the biggest thing you have to overcome is yourself. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to overcome yourself. And that's not fun and easy to do. It's not a one-time event, if you know what I'm talking about. It's a multifaceted episodes. It's like, you know, like you know, like a TV shows used to go on for years. Well, that's sort of the way that goes. Every year a new episode of dealing with your blow to your ego. Somebody one time told me that pastors had to be kind of weak people. Like, hmm, you don't know. <laughs> if you're going to make it through that, you're not going to be, well, you might be weak. But anyways, I'm just so proud of them and thankful for what the Lord's doing. God is good. Amen. So I wanted to talk to you this morning. And I got a really vile uh, title to my message, but I decided to go ahead and just go for the vileness. It's called Killing Your Giants. I know killing is not something we want to talk about in the church too much, but it's actually a biblical, a biblical thought. Uh, you, you know, when, we, when it comes to, to our giants, we need, we need to be ruthless and because our giants are the things that stand in the way of, of our purpose and stand in the way of the promises of God in our life. They stand in the way of our future. And so, of course, I'm taking this uh, story from, uh, 
1 Samuel 17, everybody knows it. We kind of look at it sort of as a bedtime story in the Bible, David slaying Goliath, but it's anything but a bedtime story. It's, a, a, it's, it's just packed with revelation. Um, I'll try to share a few things, but there's just so much more in this story than if you just take the time to begin to look at it and ask the Holy Spirit uh, some things, he'll begin to show you a lot of, a lot of insight. I'm going to read verse 4. I'm not going to read the whole story because it's a lot of verses. I'm just going to pick and choose verses, but I'm going to start out and tell you about Goliath. First, let me just tell you what the situation was. uh, The Israel's army was up on a hill. Uh, The the armies of the enemies of God were up on another hill, and in between them was a valley. Okay? So neither army would, would, would actually go forward to engage the enemy because if they did, if, if your army, if Israel went, they would be in the valley and, and the Philistines would be on the high place and they'd be setting ducks. So neither, that's why there was no, there was no movement there. They were sort of locked in on each other, but nobody would, neither army would, would advance. So that was sort of the, the, the true setting of what was going on. And so, uh, it says, Then Goliath, verse 4, a Philistine a champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He was literally, I think, nine feet seven inches tall. Uh, he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail, which is this, his armor, weighed 125 pounds. That's like carrying Becky around, literally, walking around it's something like that. It might be a little bit more than that now, though. <laughs> anyways, anyways, I'm just trying to get you to the point. He's like carrying a person around, you know, 125. He actually had a spear, a spear that the tip of it weighed was 25 pounds. I don't know if you picked up a 25-pound weight, uh, uh, weight plate lately, but if you could throw one, <laughs> you couldn't throw it very far. And that's how much his, the tip of his spear was. So he was a big, brutal, angry man, okay? And nothing like any man had ever faced before. And it says uh, he would come out and he would taunt them. And it says in verse 11, it says, When Saul and the Israelites heard this, heard him taunt him, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Terrified and deeply shaken. Sort of sounds like... What we've experienced, let's be honest with you, in our nation. Are y'all getting a hint here? Uh, they were terrified and greatly shaken. And then verse uh, 16, it says, For 40 days, 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted, strutted in front of the Israelite audience. For every morning and every night, he would strut out there and tone them. I mean, just full of arrogance. Just rub it in your face. Challenge him. Send your best man to me, and we'll fight. And whoever wins, the other army, other people will serve you. That was that was the challenge. Of course, there was nobody wanting to go out there and fight this man. So it's sort of like what what you think about when you think about a, a giant in your life, because we all have giants in our life. It could be you're a health giant. Someone recently shared with me about a diagnosis of an incurable disease and what that does to you. 
what that does to you emotionally, what that does to you mentally. And I never had really considered what it would do to you, but that's like a giant. You go to bed with it, and you wake up with it. You know what I'm talking about? We've all had giants that taunt us. We've all had things in our life that you, you get up in the morning and you face them, and when you get into bed at night, you think about them. It's like they won't leave you alone, and they're taunting you. And lots of times we're sort of like what Saul and Israel, the Israeli army. We're just standing there terrified. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to address this. It could be your career. It could be relational. It could be many things. But these are the kind of giants that come against the people of God and taunt us and want to shut us down. And, there, and that's, actually, these giants are the things that stand between you and what God has for you. They were standing in between the future of Israel, this giant was. And so many times we're going to face things. I think as a nation, we've been facing a giant that's come into our land and that's emerged in our land. I think he's been here a long time. But he's finally emerged and he's toning. He's toning us. He's, 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 he's threatening us. This is not just natural what we're going through. We're facing a giant. You're facing a giant. I'm facing that. We're all facing different giants, but we're all facing a collective giant. So it... It threatens you. It makes you feel insecure. You know what I'm talking about? You know? You ever had a, a situation in your life that was, it was terrible and you, you go to bed worried and concerned, wake up in the morning, and for just a brief moment, you'd forgotten it. And for a brief moment, you felt, ah. And then all of a sudden, it would just rush at you and it's like hit you in the face. It's like you couldn't escape the thing. It's, it's just a terrible, you know you're in a rough time. You know you're facing a, a terrible giant when you're in that situation. Well, let's read verse 17. It says, one day Jesse, this is David's daddy, said to David, take this basket of, of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. In other words, David's brothers were serving in the military, but David wasn't. David was a shepherd. He was at home. But his dad sent food to his brothers. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that amazing? What uh, I can imagine David, when he wrote Psalm 23, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. Can't you just imagine these things coming to his mind? Like, wow, that's what happened that day. I brought this food to my brothers in the presence of this giant out there. So David hears the giant. He hears him toning. He hears them he hears what he's doing. He begins to ask questions. He asks his brothers. And of course, his brothers reject him. His brothers admonish him. This is a beautiful picture of, of Christ, this moment. Of Christ the Savior, Christ the Redeemer, Christ the Deliverer coming into, this, into the world. And, and the very people he came to, the, the people of Israel, they reject him. They push him away. Well, Saul hears that Dave, this kid David was there asking questions and he calls for him. Okay? Are y'all, are y'all with me? Good, Palmer. Good job. I'm glad, Palmer, you're with me. Palmer's got a good looking beard these days. Not as nice as mine, but yeah. Anyways. It says in verse uh, 26, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? Listen, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Wow, that's a bold man. 
Okay, so here's the key. You know, so we've got these Goliaths in our life. We've got these giants in our life. And enter, here comes David. See, this is the key for the whole thing. This is so beautiful, prophetic, that, you, that your giants will always be there. You can't deal with your giants until David shows up. David is the guy that we've got to have on the scene. And David is a picture of Christ. Are y'all getting this? See, I want you to go beyond the bedtime story of this and really begin to see the power in this story and what God wants his people to hear in this hour and what God wants us to do in this hour. Okay, so David goes to Saul, and this is what he said in verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, replied Saul replied. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Now that's pretty strong. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. (laughs) Let's just stop right there. Imagine you're Saul. Okay? And you and you got this guy, David, up here saying, I'm gonna, I can take care of this dude. I'll take him. I'll go fight him. And he was saying, you're ridiculous. You can't. But, but, but I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Like, uh, okay, you're taking care of father's sheep and goats. Great. That's cool, man. Somebody get this guy out of my presence. But fortunately, David didn't stop there. He says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I beat it to death. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a mysterious verses in the Bible to me. Have you ever looked at YouTubes of lions or bears fighting? I mean... I'm thinking, what in the world kind of man was David that he could actually beat a lion to death? I mean, lions are not nothing you you want to mess. You know, lions are big when they stand on their back feet. Bears can grow up to 10 feet tall. A brown bear, a North American brown bear, I don't know how big bear. Maybe these were little, you know, midget bears and (laughs) midget lions like cats. You're a cat in the house, you know, lion kind of thing. But I'm just, I still don't understand this. Like, how in the world did he do this? I mean, how could any man do this? There's no man that we know of alive that could do what David did. I mean, he was, there was something remarkable on this guy to be able to pull this off. Okay? And I'm sure that got Saul's attention. Like, man, you can beat a bear? You can beat a lion? Okay, so he, uh, he says, uh, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Isn't that powerful? I'll do it to him too. And so um, I wanted to tell you just a few things here that's really, in reading this, it really has stuck out to me personally that I believe is important for us in our own personal, dealing with our own personal giants, but really where we are, the body of Christ in this nation of really where we got to begin to think about. The first one is, is, is what I just read to you. David did not walk into that situation unprepared. David was in a state of what, what the military calls readiness. You know what I'm talking about. 
Years ago, I went to a, I did a wedding for a, a Marine who was a life, lifer Marine. He was an enlisted man and been in the Marines at that time, I think, 14 to 15 years. And so he, this guy had this real warrior complex about him. He was a fighter. Uh, I asked him what he, what he did. I said, what are you doing in the Marines? He said, well, I'm a combat engineer. He's a combat engineer. That's what he does for a living. He designs plans to battle. He said, but right now, I'm doing a desk job. I'm, set, I'm doing clerk work because I had surgery on a blown disc. He said, that, he said, but here's what the sad thing is. If within a year, if I cannot be combat ready... I will be discharged from the Marines because there is not one Marine that can be a Marine and not be combat ready. It doesn't matter if you are the toilet tender, you're combat ready. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, God has been preparing people. And, and you, know, you know, we could have a thousand warplanes, but if only 500 are ready to go, you only really have 500 combat ready planes. And that's why the military is so big, not on just numbers, but on readiness, on people who have been prepared. And when your situation comes, what you've been trained to do, what you've been prepared to do, you step right into it. So David stepped into this situation combat ready. He didn't step into it as a, as a novice. God had trained him. He had allowed the Holy Spirit to work in his life. He faced his situations. He went through his, his trials. He, he, he stared down bears and lions and overcame them and that's a lot of what we have to go through and and, you know you may be in a situation like that this morning but if you can just see beyond your own little self and see there's something greater that God is making you prepared he's preparing you for something much greater than just your your little world your little life are you hearing what I'm telling you y'all come on now y'all gonna do a little bit better than this now y'all gonna have to help me or I'll preach long then if you don't. How about <laughs> Y'all better get with it. All right, here's the second thing that's really stuck out to me. With God, the type of problem, the type of giant, the type of situation you face doesn't matter. You see, David, he, he had never faced a nine-foot, seven-inch man. But he had faced the lion and the bear. And David had something he could go back to. He could call on. He was in situation that he had overcome in. Even though he was facing a whole new complex problem that he had never faced before, he could call on what he had faced in the past and begin to use what God had taught him. He had prayed, he had believed, he had trusted, and he had overcome. And everybody in this room, you're, you're, whether you believe it or not, you've been an overcomer. You've been in situations. You've went through hell. You've been drugged down. You've faced tragedy. You've faced loss. You've faced hard things. And see, what you learn in those things can be applied into other hard things. I can just remember really back a few months ago when all this uh, COVID stuff, you know, and then all of a sudden we had the government telling us stuff, you know, for the first time ever in the church world in the United States, the, in my lifetime at least, we never had the, church, the government begin to tell us this is what you can do and what you can't do. All of a sudden we had these new complex problems, Right? How are we going to handle this? What are we going to do? And I'm thinking, we've never faced anything like this before. 
I don't want to face this neither. <laughs> you know, at first, that's what I kept thinking. I don't want to deal with this. I don't know how to deal with this. I have no grid for this. And the Lord said, yes, you do. You have all that you've gone through. Start applying what you know and do it that way. You hear what I'm telling you? With God, it's all the same. Big problems, little problems. It doesn't matter whether it's a man nine feet, seven inch, or a, a grizzly bear. You, are being, you've, you can face this. You can do this. If you've been given a diagnosis that's, that's a, that could destroy you, you can face it. You've faced other things. You've faced children that went astray and, and, and worked your way through it and got through it. And you saw God do things. You could be facing a financial difficulty today, a financial giant. But you have been through something in your past that you can pull on that time and pull on what God did and see the faithfulness of God in your life. And that's what the church needs to rise up in this hour and begin to see that God has been faithful to us and He has loved us and He has poured Himself out of us and we can stand up in this hour and begin to make a difference. We can begin to make our voice heard in this world. Y'all just sitting there looking at me. Badly, badly looking at me. Okay. That's number two. Number three, it says in verse 38... Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. And, so, and of course, David tried it on. This is the world-famous verse. This is probably the only thing I ever knew about this story other than the bedtime part, okay, that you can't wear Saul's armor. You ever heard that phrase? Well, it's the truth. You can't, you've got to be yourself. And that's why this whole thing about, you know, for years the church has talked about identity and knowing who you are. Well, guess what? Y'all, now's the time. Now's the time to really know who you are and know I can't do this. There's some battles you're not called to. There really are some. And that was the beauty of David. You learn in his life. He would always ask the Lord later in life, should I fight these guys? I'm not fighting unless you send me in. See, a lot of us want to go in and fight battles that God's never called us to. And you're going to get whipped. You won't get killed, but you'll get whipped good and hard. And you'll be licking your wounds and not want to do it again. See, we've got to be who we are. And we've got to take the tools and the things that God has put in us. That's what we have to fight with. We don't have some other clarity. It could be counsel. It could be a, the way another person is. You, you can't, none of that's going to work for you in this time. It's time to rise up and be who you are and who God created you to be and fight from that position. And that way you can have some confidence because you're being real and you're being true. Are you good with that? So the next one is this, oh, this is the best one in here, I think. Uh, David said uh, two times, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? Who is this pagan? Everybody say pagan. Well, actually, that word means uncircumcised. That's what it really means. It means uncircumcised. See, here's the thing. David, you gotta, you got to see something spiritual. Okay, everybody there, including Saul, was looking at this nine foot seven inch man. David was looking at something else. I won't mention what he was looking at. I don't know if it literally he was looking at his private parts or not. Pro- probably what he just probably knew this guy is not circumcised. Well, in that Hebrew culture of his day, if you were not circumcised, it meant one thing. It meant this man has no covenant with God. This man has no relationship with God. God is not on his side at all. Therefore, I can beat this man. 
Because David understood that a man who has covenant with God has, number one, relationships, and number two, he has benefits. And part of that benefits is the power of God and the name of God. In fact, when David came against Goliath, Goliath says, you're coming with me with sticks and stones because he had a shepherd's rod and a little sling. And David said, I'm coming, in, coming to you in the name of the Lord's armies. That was powerful what he said. That wasn't just him being cute. David knew exactly what he was saying at that moment. See, the church don't know. And we have this covenant and we've been given this name and we can walk in this name, but there's power in that name. There's power to use that name and we got to learn how to use it like David used it. David used the name of God on that giant because that giant was an uncircumcised Philistine and he had no rights. He had no rights to do what he was doing. And see, when we begin to really understand this thing called the name, pray in the name of Jesus, whatever you do, do all to his glory. When we begin to really get revelation on that, revelation on the true covenant of God and what it really means, I just don't think we've gotten it yet. We got it to some level, but we don't really have it deep down in our hearts where it's, it's totally impacting our lives. For David, he was willing to go face a nine-foot-seven-inch man with five stones that he got out of the river. And the reason he got five was this. Goliath had brothers and a daddy. There were four more giants. So in his, David's mind, I, I got to get enough to kill them all. Because once I take the first one down, the others are going to come after me. And they really are. So in his mind, I'm going down here and facing five giants. But he had this confidence in him because he saw, he saw into the Spirit. You're defeated. We're defeated as a church because we're stuck here dealing with our problems in our country. I wanted to read this quote. Can I read this little quote here from Rick Joyner? I read it this week. It's amazing. Uh, he wasn't talking about this. He was talking about what's going on in our country. This is what he said. Huh, let me catch my breath here. It's like running. It says, The battlefield itself can be a crucial factor determining the outcome of a battle. Because of this, warriors know, warriors know that one who is able to choose the battlefield will have an advantage over their foe. Right? That's, that's common sense, right? Presently, the enemy has seized the initiative and been able to choose the battlefield Listen to me, y'all. Keeping it in, world, in the worldly, earthly domain. See, that's what David didn't do. That's why Saul and them were afraid. The battle was in the worldly, earthly domain. And they were defeated there. Because in the worldly, earthly domain, there was something more powerful than them in the worldly, earthly domain. And then Rick finishes saying this. As Christians, one of our primary goals in every conflict must be to move the battlefield out of the merely physical realm into the spiritual realm that is our special domain. Now that's the truth. If we want to win this country, we are going to have to move the battle into the spiritual realm and win it from there or we will lose it because we can't beat them on their grounds. They'll beat us every time. David could not beat Saul or Goliath 
And on a one-on-one natural human fight, he couldn't beat him. But spiritually, he saw something different. He saw the man has no covenant. So he moved it into the realm of the spirit. And once he saw that, David had confidence and he was able to pull on what he knew and how God had trained him and what he knew about the heart of the Lord. And, he, and it says that David went after that giant. He went after him. He didn't wait for him to come to him. He went after him. He went after him. He went after him. Are y'all okay? Y'all looking kind of mad at me. I wanted to read that one. I just loved that. Let me, I just said it, but I want to read it in verse 45 and 46. David replied to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you, to you in the name of the Lord's, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isn't that powerful? That's what I come to you. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied, today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. You, and cut your head off, or cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Isn't that powerful? That's a powerful statement there. And that brings up my last little point. Hey, I'm doing pretty good here, right? You've you got to know who does the conquering, and you've got to know who does the killing. Now, here's what happened. David said it right here. And I think this is where we kind of mess up. David said, the Lord's going to conquer you, but I'm going to kill you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord's going to conquer you, but I'm going to kill you. David knew who had the power to conquer, but David also knew who had the power to kill, that God had given him the power to kill this thing. You see, there's something that only God can do in our lives. Okay, and, and David understood that. He understood the things that only God could do. Here's a great example out of uh, Acts 15. God did unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, the apostle. God did the miracles, but it was Paul's hands. Are y'all hearing this? See, this is the downfall of us. David knew, I've got a part to play in this. I've got to participate in this. It's not just, this defeat of this thing is just not, this killing of this thing is just not going to fall out of heaven. I've got to get into the game here. I've got to participate and do my part. And my part is I'm going to kill your hide and I'm going to chop your head off and I'm going to take your head back to Saul and drop it in the front door of his tent. And then we're going to rout the Philistine armies and they're going to, the birds are in the air and the wild beasts are going to have a feast on them. So we really have to understand that, you know, that in Christ, Christ has conquered the devil. The devil has been defeated. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But we're going to take him out. I'm telling you, it's your job to take him out. The devil is going to come after you with giants. You're going to face stuff. God has already conquered it. You've got to execute the conquering. I know a lot of Christians don't believe that, but I'm sorry, it's the truth. Let me just tell you this about lions and bears. I was thinking about this. Lion, what does a lion represent? Well, of course, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Bible says the devil also goes about like a roaring lion. You hear that? And I think a bear speaks of a person's carnal nature. 
You see, those are two things that have to be conquered in our life. The the devil has to be conquered, and our carnal nature has to be conquered. And that's really what David, that was sort of prophetic when he talked about the lion and the bear, what was really happening in his life, that he he had taken out the enemy, and he had dealt with his own carnality that was in his heart. Y'all got real quiet on me on that one. (laughs) But I wanted to really uh, encourage you today that we're in a time where we have to participate in what God's doing. We have to ask the Lord to show us how to kill our giants. And when I say we got to become more aggressive and more violent in the spirit with the enemy because he has gotten real aggressive and real violent with us. Now, that doesn't mean we go after people Right, this is not, I'm talking about spiritually. Because don't be going out and beating somebody up just because they, you know, hitting somebody because they have a, a, a Joe Biden sign in their yard or setting fire to their yard or some guy shot this guy yesterday, you know, at one of these rallies. You know, that ain't what God, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something real spiritual here. But we got to get more aggressive spiritually. And really start pushing into these things. You need to do it in your own personal life. Areas where the enemy has come after you. Areas where you're facing a health crisis or a financial crisis or a relational crisis. You see, God is, has done. He's conquered that for you. He's, he's already healed people. He's already healed you at the cross. God's already done his part. God's asking us to be like David and go, start beginning to go after those things. And pursue those things and become aggressive in our, in our spirit man towards these things and not accept these things and begin to believe what the Bible tells us, what the Word of God tells us and begin to declare that those things over our lives and over these situations. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Y'all ain't with me, are you? You're just looking at me saying, yeah, okay, yeah, good, hurry up. Please hurry up and get through with this. I got to go. It's, it's lunchtime, Byron, Please. <laughs> But I'm, what I'm telling you, if we will begin to do this, if we'll begin to take on this heart of David. Now, I think every, everybody in this room, there's an area in this life, in your life where you need to really address. Some of you need to address this thing about everything in the natural. All you're seeing is the natural. Because that's why you're so beat up all the time. It's because everything you see is just from a natural perspective. And the devil knows it, so he just keeps going after you there and keeps going after you. You've got to begin to say, Holy Spirit, let me see what's the cause of this. If I can see the cause of it, I can deal with it. Let me see the cause of it. Let me see what this uncircumcised Philistine, let me see it as it really is so I can go after it. Because once you do it, and we really need to ask the Lord for a revelation about the covenant, the new covenant. We really need that. We need to understand what the name of Jesus really means. And, and when we declare that name, there, there's true power in that name and that our faith is connected with that and we can actually release the power of that over our situations instead of just saying it and hoping something will happen. And that's really, I think, that's really, to me, one of the most key things 
in this hour is, God, give us a revelation of the new covenant, a deep revelation, one that moves our hearts, one that moves us. And when we face situations that we can really speak into those situations, like Jesus said, speak to that mountain, that we can really truly do that and declare the name of Jesus over it. And it moves. It gets out of our way. It flees from us because it knows if it doesn't, we're going to kill it. And we need to get a killer, that killer instinct in us when it comes to the devil. You know, I was watching my, my two grandsons play in soccer last Sunday. We went right to church and went and played, watched them play soccer. And I said, well, I don't think they're going to make it in soccer. <laughs> they're both really athletic kids because they don't have the killer instinct. You know, these kids go after the ball, they just sort of hesitate. And by the time you hesitate, the other kids done. You got to have this thing where you're, I don't care. I told my, I probably shouldn't tell kids this stuff. I told them, listen, this is what you do. You go after that ball, and you, if the guy doesn't get out of your way, you run over him. <laughs> after you do that a couple of times, they will move. <laughs> don't be the guy moving. You be the guy going after him. And they'll quit. They will get out of your way because they'll be afraid of you. And you can run the ball right down the field and score because nobody's going to get in your way if they know you're going to run over them. And see, that's the way we need to be with the devil. We need to start running over the devil. The devil has run over us long. We're like Saul and we're sitting there terrified and won't say anything or do anything. And God is calling us to stand up and begin to stand firm and begin to go after these things. I really believe that for all my heart. If you want this future that God has promised you, you're going to have to get up from where you're at and you're going to have to get that killer instinct in you and go after it. And if the devil won't move, run over him. You hear what I'm telling you? Run over If he won't move, you kick him as hard as you can. As, as, oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to keep the ball. I'm sorry I hurt your leg. Marlon might not approve of that type of coaching since he coaches a soccer team. I don't, I'm sure he doesn't say do that. Well, you know how little boys do when they play soccer and little girls? It's the cluster formation. They don't really hold their position well. Everybody kind of goes into a cluster. I had one of my kids who played soccer. I, re, I realized right away that boy will never be good at soccer because this is what he was doing. While everybody was clustering, he was over there going, oh. <laughs> or looking for four-leaf clovers. Hey, the ball's over there. What are you doing? I'm looking for a four-leaf clover. Huh? He was only four. But he turned out to be pretty good in other sports. You know, there's other sports. Y'all stand up. You know, the Bible says if we'll resist the devil, he'll flee from us. He really will. You know, that's the Lord's given us a sword of the Spirit. It's part of His equipping us. And you know, that sword of the Spirit literally means two-tongued. That's what that word sword is, two-tongued. It's a two-edged sword. It's two-tongued. One side is God's tongue and the other side is your tongue. It's what God says and what you say. You hear what I'm telling you? God's got a word for your situation. But here's the problem. 
your mountain, your giant will not listen to Marlon. Cindy's giant is going to listen to Cindy. Marlon's giant will listen to Marlon. We can pray, we can encourage, we can get behind, but ultimately at the end of the day, your giant is going to only listen to you. And when you begin to speak the word of the Lord in true faith, genuinely speaking it from your heart, stuff's going to start happening. And you can begin and listen. You need to be aggressive with the enemy. You don't need to let him push you around. You don't do it. Don't do, Jesus has paid too high of a cost to conquer him. He's conquered. He's defeated. You've got to take him out. You've got to get him out of your life. You've got to get him out of your home. You got to get we we don't even do good at that, and we got to get him out of our country now. We got to get him out of the schools. We got to get him out of the government, and we're still struggling getting him out of the church. But God's going to create a me a people who are going to be able to do that, and where the devil's going to quake at them and not want them to show up at the polling place, or not want them to show up in the schools, or not want them to show up in the business world, because they're going to be carrying something. And we can be those people if we want to. So let's lift our hands to the Lord this morning and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you, I invite you to come now, Holy Spirit. Give me that warrior's heart like David had. And give me the ability to see the root cause of my problems, Lord. Give me the ability to see into the Spirit what's going on in our country, Lord. And begin to declare some things, Lord, in our nation. Begin to declare some things in our homes, in our schools, Lord. Lord, we're asking you today. We need, we're saying help, Lord. We're behind, the, we're behind, but you can catch us up. Lord, let's ask the Lord to give us an anointing of acceleration. Accelerate us, Lord. Put the gas pedal down on us spiritually. Lord, that we can get from where we are right this moment to where we need to be in this hour that we're standing in. Some of us are not there. Some of us are way back. Most of all of us probably are, Lord. We're asking you to get us there quick. Whatever it takes to get us there, Lord. We're asking you to accelerate. Ask, say, Lord, accelerate me. Tell him, I need to be accelerated. I don't know how exactly to pray. I don't really have the revelation I need. Just tell him. And the Lord will help you. The Lord will help you. Well, we just ask you to do that. The last thing I wanted to tell you, when I was praying this morning, early, like early, early praying, facing a giant in my life, really. And I had a vision of a child. That's what I saw. I saw a little child. And I knew what the Lord was saying. You become like a child. If you'll become like a child, you can take this giant out. And so it just, we just need to... I know those things seem contrary, being aggressive, being warlike. But in the spirit realm, there's no, they're not contrary. In the spirit realm, it always takes childlikeness. In the spirit realm, it always takes humility. And when we humble ourselves to the Lord, the Lord will begin to work in us. And do more through us than we could ever imagine. And so I just, let's just ask the Lord for that childlike heart. Just ask and say, Lord, give me that childlike heart. 
Give it to me today, Lord. I want to become like a little child. You said if we would become like children, we could have the kingdom. We could lay hold of the kingdom. We could put our hands on the kingdom. We could, in other words, we could take the, the forces of the kingdom and deploy them, Lord. If we'll be like a child, we can deploy the power of the kingdom. God wants to deploy the kingdom in this earth. And if we'll be like little children, He can. Amen. Who's leading the meeting? Yeah, let's let Maya come out here and bail me out. Thank you, everybody, so much for coming today. I want to invite the ministry teams to come forward. If you'd like to receive prayer for healing, I mentioned salvation today. If that was you, please come forward. We'd love to have some of the ministry teams agree with you in prayer. If you just want to be encouraged, we'd love to do that too. We have people that prophesy. So we just say, we love you. Have a great day. God bless you.